You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome everybody to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Groon. I'm one of the pastors here at Emmaus Road Church, and I am joined this week with the special, not just any special guest, the special guest, uh, Greg Dernberger. You're here. Greetings. I never thought we'd get you to do this, but here you are. Here in the flesh, here you are. Uh, and our goal today, why I've asked Greg, is um, as we come to the end uh, of this calendar year, as well as uh, the end of our, or the beginning of our 10th year as a church, and as our church is if you're a member at Emmaus Road or been around a regular tender, you've heard news now for a couple months of this upcoming transition uh, from Greg, who is currently serving as our senior pastor at Emmaus Road Church uh, and founding pastor uh, of the church back in 2013, now uh, transitioning, not retiring, not dying. This isn't a funeral. <laughs> We're not, we're not talking about uh, the end of life, thankfully. You're not moving away, but there is a, a, a redeployment, a, a transition as, as Ryan Chase now becomes our, our senior pastor as started January 1. Um, and Greg, you're off onto a whole bunch of different stuff, So, which we're going to get to. But uh, So first of all, welcome. It's good to have you. Uh, this I think this is going to serve Emmaus Road well to just hear your words. A couple weeks ago, uh, we spent the evening celebrating, honoring Greg and Lori. And I was clear in that, that this was not a time for you to say anything. <laughs> you just had to sit and receive. But now it, I think this is a good, uh, this is a good channel for us to hear a little bit in your own words about you, about your life, your ministry, and, and kind of what's, what's next. So let's start, first of all, Greg, uh, I want to hear about your early Christian life and particularly leading up to your pastoral call, this call that you felt to pastoral ministry. Some, this is, I think you said, this is your 40th year of pastoral ministry this year, which is incredible. So go ahead. Uh, yes. Um, well, I came of age spiritually in uh, the early 1970s, swept up into the Jesus movement. And um, I think that uh, my experience of new birth was a a process, it seemed, um, which culminated in uh, somewhere on my junior, senior year in high school, um, but culminated mainly on, um, I, I think, of Easter Sunday of 1974 when I was baptized, mm. and uh, it was a meaningful time for me. Um, at the same time as that was taking place, I had uh, applied to and been accepted to attend Bethel College mm. in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, Christian Liberal Arts School. Uh, the summer after my uh, high school graduation, there was a, a hunger and a thirst for doing something that would serve and um, serve the cause of Christ, had a zeal for my unbelieving friends. Um, our, the denomination of our church 
uh, there was a Bible camp about a half an hour drive from my hometown. And uh, I, th- I thought it would be desirable to serve as a camp counselor that summer. In order to serve as a camp counselor, you needed to attend a counselor training week at the camp, which I did. And um, it, was a, it was a very uh, satisfying experience. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun going to Bible camp. And, uh, but, but what was critical about that, that experience was that there, during our counselor training time, there were two, two professors from Denver Theological Seminary that were part of our, our training experience. And before the end of the week, each one of those men came to me, independent from each other, and uh, made comments such as, oh, oh we, we really see God's hand on your life. Mm. We see uh, talents and skills and abilities that, uh, well, we just think that you really ought to prayerfully consider whether or not God's calling you to ministry. Mm. I had no category for what that <laughs> meant. I, 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 I understood it to be a compliment sure. <laughs> and an encouragement, but I, I really just had, I just didn't have a framework. I mean, I thought, well, what, do you mean be a pastor, which mm. really didn't have any attraction to me at all at that time. I was having a great time at, at camp and, and, uh, but that, that was about it, but it, it did stay with me. Sure. And, um, th- during the course of that summer, I, I counseled out there at least three more weeks and uh, one of the gentlemen that um, I met and had a relationship with was a missionary by the name of Raleigh Hallberg. I remember his name. Wow. He, he was from Japan um, and served with Far Eastern Broadcasting Company and the Conservative Baptist Foreign Mission Society. He, had, he was a, um, a musician. We hit it off. We, had, we just connected an awful lot during the summer. And before the end of the summer, he also said to me, you know, if, if you enjoy camp work, if you enjoy music, if you enjoy all these things that we're doing out here at camp, you should consider doing a summer mission project in Japan. Hmm. And uh, we, we do a, we bring a team over every summer. And so I, I kind of, again, I filed that in my thought process and uh, went off to Bethel College for my freshman year, really had no idea what I was going to be majoring in. Um, about halfway through the year, I was contacted again um, by this missionary and by others from the uh, Conservative Baptist Foreign Mission Society, inviting me to be part of a team that would go to Japan the summer uh, after my freshman year in college. Wow. Um, so all these things sort of providentially came together. I ended up uh, from my little small town in rural Minnesota I, I went overseas, spent two and a half months in Japan, and uh, two of those months were at this Bible camp. During the Bible camp, we had three weeks of American camps. And what that meant is, is that there were teenagers, or at all, all ages, um, elementary age kids, junior high, high school. Um, these are kids um, that were sons and daughters of missionaries, sons and daughters of military, sons and daughters of expat business people. And um, they're, they're, in those days, this would be the m- mid-70s, there was nothing else for American kids living in that country to do mm. um, during wow. their free time or vacation time. And so they would go to Bible camp. <laughs> and um, As one does. Yes. 
And, and so um, it was during the high school camp in particular, um, we had a, um, a camp speaker who was, uh, his name was Jim Cook. He was the pastor of International Baptist Church in Honolulu, Hawaii. And uh, he came to preach. I was assigned uh, these 10 guys in my cabin, and uh, they they were they were wild men back in those days you know they, they all had hair down to their shoulders um, the profile on these kids because they'd come to camp before is that they were um, drug addicts uh, drug pushers <laughs> uh, there was a, a, a missionary kid uh, his parents had divorced his father had stayed on the mission field there was a, a young a son of a, a military officer his father had committed suicide and he, he um he was a troubled young man uh, all of these guys were placed in my cabin and they were they were just uh they were a disturbing group to even just look at <laughs> and um that week um I, I prayed like I had really never prayed before, but mainly because I was honestly, uh, actually fearful for my well-being. You just got thrown in there. I was thrown in there, and, and they were, uh, like I said, they were troubled young men, and uh, they, they looked like it. Um, <laughs> and so it was unsettling. But um, not only did I pray like I'd never prayed before, but I heard preaching like I'd never heard before. Jim Cook was a, a gifted expositor. And um, before the end of that week, every one of the young men in my cabin not only made a, what I would describe as a profession of faith, but their disposition changed. They, if you would have taken a picture of them at, when they stepped into the cabin uh, the first day to the time when they left camp that end of the week, they just looked different. Sure. Wow. Um, it, it was transformation in a way that I'd never seen. It was just so radical. Mm. And I remember thinking at the end of that week, if this is what those two Denver Seminary guys were talking about in terms of ministry, well, then I, I may very well be ruined for any other gainful employment. <laughs> wow. So I went back to Bethel College, became a Bible major, and um, uh, began to pursue that mm. path and... Uh, went to seminary, and the rest is history. That's incredible. And th so 30 years go by yep. of various roles, various parts of the world, right? couple stints in Hawaii, a couple in Minnesota, back in Minneapolis, at, at various churches serving faithfully, even now and then back into Sioux Falls. But get us up to now. So 30 years go by. Talk us through, from, from your chair, the planting of Emmaus Road Church. And maybe some highlights and low, a few highlights and lowlights of those first, for sure, those first couple of years, but then just in general. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, we were living in Sioux Falls. Uh, we moved here in 2006. I joined the pastoral team at Faith Baptist Fellowship here. And um, uh, we had barely been at Faith Baptist Fellowship a, a about a year and a half when the senior pastor, uh, who had been very instrumental in bringing me on their staff, he, he resigned, took a different position, um, a, de a denominational leadership position in Minnesota, and it, it kind of threw our entire pastoral team into an unplanned for or unanticipated transition. Hmm. I was in my 
mid-50s at that time and recognized that um, that, that was not a good place to be <laughs> in transition when uh, in pastoral ministry when you're your mid-50s. What was I going to do next? And uh, But I was also um, in a doctoral program at Gordon-Conwell Seminary in redemptive leadership and organizational development. I was working with a, probably about 40 young men in, in, at Faith Baptist Fellowship, very intentionally building into their lives and uh, working out some of the things that I was learning and uh, growing in, in my convictions. And um, as um, yeah, church planting would have not been something on my radar sure. uh, at that point in my life. Earlier in my life, yes, but not when I'm in my mid-50s. <laughs> um, so um, I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen next, but I had a relationship with some former colleagues from a prior church in Minneapolis who encouraged me to consider uh, joining Sovereign Grace churches. And uh, my understanding of Sovereign Grace was that it was kind of a, a very homogeneous group. Sure. That in order, it, if you weren't in that system, um, tough to break how, in. How do you get into yeah. it? And uh, they talked about vouching for me and so on and so forth. So um, I um, it was. I think I believe it was the summer of twenty two thousand oh nine. I went to a worship God conference put on by Sovereign Grace Churches, and uh, decided to take in the church planter interest meeting. And I met uh, Mark Prater, who was not the executive director at that time, mm -hmm. um, but was involved with uh, the church planting group. I, um, I met a couple other guys that I just immediately kind of hit it off with. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. And so it led to some various conversations. Again, not really quite sure where this would end up. Sure. It was the I think the next year when the um, the meeting happened that I think uh, we've heard spoken of before. Ryan and and Caleb came um, and approached me about the idea of wanting to plant a church, wanting to plant a church with um, with me, which uh, at that time was compelling. When I think of my oldest son, the the one who I made the most mistakes with, um, <laughs> messed up the greatest. We can tell. Um, yeah, everybody can vouch for That's that. That's right, yeah. Um, Self-evident. The, the idea of these guys being really serious about that, it, 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 did, it was compelling to me sure. and um, wouldn't go away. So um, I ended up applying uh, for church planting with Sovereign Grace. It took a long time. Hmm. And uh, it ended um, with the information that I had actually been accepted to plant a church with Sovereign Grace on the condition that I would attend the Sovereign Grace Pastors College. Wow. Um, and I understood how significant that would be. Uh, trans if you're going to plant a Sovereign Grace church, you really have to be able to, to uh, transfer those cultural values and so on and so, so forth. And so living in that world for a while made, made a lot of sense to me. Problem was that I was not done with my doctoral program hmm. and I had invested a lot of time and money into it. And so I just said, well, thank you, but politely had to say, um, I, I can't do that. Hmm. So um, spent that year of 2010 into 2011 working on my thesis project and um, 
I was coming to the end of that. It was spring of uh, 2011 uh, when Sovereign Grace Churches hosted um, the, the plant conference in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. The plant conference was a church planting conference, and uh, Ryan and Caleb and I attended. And we came back from that. I, I came back from that. Um, can't necessarily speak for them, but I, but I thought, you know what, this this really is very compelling to me. Um, was thinking, praying about that very seriously. The implications of it, obviously, remained attending the pastor's <laughs> conference for <laughs> for a year was a bit of an obstacle. Um, but um, but Laurie and I, we 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 spent months praying about that, hmm. weighing hmm. what would it mean to leave a denomination that which was my only home for twenty seven years. Right. Um, quit, necessarily quitting our jobs, moving to Gaithersburg, Maryland for a year with really no guarantee about what would come out the other end. Right. And uh, it, so it was sobering. Um, People don't know about this, this going to the PC. You're just like, it's a year of, you, you put everything else on hold. Yeah. I mean, you had a job, you have a home that yeah, yeah. you got to pay a mortgage on. Or, yeah. <laughs> we had two kids in college. Exactly. Um, so it, it was weighty. Um, and Lori was really at kind of the peak of, of her career. She mm. was just uh, rising in the in the world of uh, ESL and um, test writing and with a national test writing group and wow. had opportunities uh, at, at, to teach at the college level. And so um, it, it was just all kind of crazy. But um, we did experience God imparting to us the faith. Yeah. It, it was it was genuinely supernatural. Mm-hmm. God gave us the faith to quit jobs, leave whatever it took, go there without any guarantees of what would be on the other end of it. <clears throat> and and so um, that's what we did. Uh, uh, we she finished her master's degree and, and uh, walked in her graduation. I finished my doctoral degree, uh, walked in my graduation, the end of May of 2011. And a few weeks later, we quit our jobs and went to Gaithersburg, Maryland for mm-hmm. the year. And it was the greatest year of our life. Um, marriage-wise, um, it, it, it was the greatest year of our It was like a very intense sabbatical. Sure. And wow. um, came out the other end of that um, with um, an approval to plant a Sovereign Grace Church. Uh, the, the long story short is that we did end up moving back to Sioux Falls in the summer of 2013, and uh, we had our first interest meeting in our living room on the last Sunday of August of 2013, and uh, we, we had been meeting there for a few weeks, and I remember uh, the day... Um, I remember a day when when Ryan had called, we were talking, and, and he said, have you ever met Rich McCorris? And I said, I, I, don't, I have no idea who that is. And Rich was the pastor of, uh, 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 I can't remember the name, of it. it's Christ the King or That's it. King yep. of Christ. <laughs> I think it's Christ the King. Um, church, and they were meeting at Sioux Falls Christian School. I had never met Rich, and uh, so I just called him out of the blue one day, and we we spent some time getting acquainted. And, and in those days, there wasn't a lot of real uh, 
hospitality from other pastors in town welcoming a church plant. Mm. <laughs> um, but Rich struck me as he was so warm and so welcoming and uh, so generous-hearted and said, what could we do to, to serve you guys? And I said, well, you know, you could really pray that we could meet a, find a meeting place because we got 36 adults and 12 kids meeting in my house <laughs> and not sure how long this is going to go. And um, so he said, well, <laughs> surprised me when he said, you know, we're having a, a, a church family meeting this Sunday to to vote and decide on whether or not we should vacate meeting in the Sioux Falls Christian school, the middle school gym, and move over to Sioux Falls Seminary Chapel. Hmm. And uh, I'll call you on Monday and tell you how that goes. And if, you know, if, if, if we're deciding to move, um, you know, maybe you guys could move here. Wow. So I, I got off the phone with him and I called Ryan again right away and I said, hey, get down to the school office and find <laughs> out if there's a waiting list. And um, we need to know if there's a waiting list, because if there isn't, we're going to get into that school Maybe. And Ryan was teaching at Sioux Falls Christian. He was teaching at Sioux Falls Christian. So, on sure enough, Monday morning, I get a call from Rich McCorris say, Hey, we voted, decide we're going to move to the seminary chapel. It's all yours if if you guys can get in here. Hmm. Bang, we got in there, and um, Sioux Falls Christian School was so kind to us, didn't charge us anything. Wow. We met in the the high school um, choir room for several weeks, several months, actually, while we were getting ready to launch. And uh, then we ended up launching on second Sunday of December 2013. Ten years ago. The rest is history. Wow. Yeah. So in those 10 years now, what have been some of the high, maybe just one or two high points, um, and then maybe a couple, one or two not low points, it's a loaded term, but uh, challenging. But time. a challenging time. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think that, uh, well, clearly our association with Sovereign Grace Churches uh, stands out as uh, just huge. Mm-hmm. Um, the alignment theologically, the alignment and affinity with um, that family of churches has been exceedingly meaningful for. For 27 years, I was part of a denomination where I really never felt like I was actually in the sweet spot. Hmm. And, um, and so th- th- for me personally, that, that was uh, very, very significant and has been very, very meaningful. Uh, I have friends, uh, pastor friends in Sovereign Grace that I- I've never had those kinds of friends in my hmm. entire ministry life. So that's that's been a high point. That's sweet. I think that um, it's particularly gratifying. Uh, obviously, with my um, d- just my natural uh, side, my gifting side, the the things that the Lord has given to me, plus my education, there, there's always been an accent on mentoring and an accent on developing others coming alongside them in their developmental process. And so to um, to really see, uh, I think, an eldership emerge that was that was really our doing. We we never brought anybody from the outside. Mm. It, it was very organic, and um, clearly the Lord was in the midst of that. And that 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 is, uh, like I say, it's, it's exceedingly satisfying. Um, I I think that being able to do this with our our family, our mm. son, all three sons are part of this. That's a highlight for me. I it's know amazing. a lot of pastors that um, their kids not only don't live nearby, but but not many times 
might not necessarily have any vibrant relationship with the Lord. So hmm. that's been that's been good. Just to see the Lord's faithfulness in... Um, we were really never committed to trying to gather a crowd. We were committed to building a certain kind of a church. And uh, that, that church has emerged. Uh, back in the mid-1990s, Laurie and I had uh, attended a church planting assessment week for our prior denomination. And we had to create a prospectus. And, and we, we outlined... Um, oh, I don't know, about a dozen things that would characterize the church that we wanted to plant, if we ever planted. Hmm. And uh, Emmaus Road Church fits that profile to the T. It's it's remarkable that things that we had been dreaming of um, 20 years before had... um, have really um, emerged when we when we started this church. So I think it, it's in, in many respects is just kind of the fulfillment of uh, of my developmental process, wow. and um, that that has been a great joy. Uh, as far as challenges, there, there are things that um, you sort of anticipate, um, and things that you could have anticipated, but maybe not the way you anticipated them. <laughs> we, in our first year, uh, I think probably our most significant challenge was that there was, um, there were people on our, uh, on our, not just our launch team, but in our leadership group, pe- people that, um, had deacon level roles of leadership, um, that for whatever reason, uh, just went to different, wanted to go a different direction. Yeah. And, and so there was a separation at that point that, that was hurtful. Um, right off the bat. Right off the bat. I mean, within, it was, we, we were probably about 10 months in, and I, it, it was so intense that I wondered, wow, you know, could we get taken out <laughs> before we even hit a year? Um, so that, that was a, a challenging time, a, a, a really a challenge to our faith. And confidence in the Lord, and you know, just kind of came to the point where, well, Lord, if you're going to take us out, I mean, what are we going to do about it? Right. Um, Ecclesiastes seven thirteen: What God has made crooked, who can make straight? I mean, I was just literally at that place of, if you're going to make this crooked, I can't straighten it out. Right. And uh, so that that was a painful time. We lost people. We lost a significant portion of our of our really our deacon team, hmm. and. Uh, and at the at the end of it, I don't know how it unfolded over the course of two or three months. It just seemed like it was just exhausting, never ending. But we were better. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the, the Lord just kind of saw us through that. That that was a that was a huge challenge. Probably the most significant challenge I can mm-hmm. think of in, in these first ten years. <clears throat> uh, maybe an, a, a lesser one was. Um, I would guess maybe three or four years in, we um, th- there was there was a uh, an individual who w- was seemed to be quite persistent <laughs> in wanting to introduce some aberrant, what I would call aberrant theology, um, and that required multiple confrontations. That 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 it it you just it took it took boldness, it took courage, it just took um, some. Tough love and shepherding. Not a, not a little bit of tough talk. Yeah, um, totally. And um, it, and ended in a separation again. And, and and it wasn't like it had massive ripple effects in our church, but just personally, it was it was just ugh, yeah, a hard thing to do. 
So I, I would say that those are probably the yeah. maybe the, the most difficult things along the way. I don't know if this would be listed as a as a challenge or more just a, of a intense season, but um, Jamie and I's first interaction with Emmaus Road Church, other than me having uh, I, I taught with Ryan for a while. That's how I'd heard about Emmaus Road. Um, Jamie, as I was a year out of college teaching at Sioux Falls Christian with him, and I'd heard about this church, and I was working at a different church, my home church at the time, um, but was expecting... So Jamie and I got married that summer of, of 2015, and uh, at the end of the summer, we were going to go try out different churches, and we were committed to trying out a Mays Road Church, but we had just gotten back from our honeymoon. Uh, this is mid-early mid early June 2015, and uh, got an email through Sioux Falls Christian that... Isaac Chase had passed away. Mm. And uh, we, the first time Jamie ever met Ryan and Barbara was at the visitation line of, of Isaac's funeral, or Isaac's visitation. And then the next day, we went to Isaac's funeral. And that was when I first saw Emmaus operating. Mm. And Jamie and I both looked at each other. I, I was just, I said, this is a people, this is, this is people in, in the throes of suffering and throes of, of grief. And it is the most gospel declaring Christ exalting thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, just operating on all cylinders. And we were just like, we going to go check out those people. So <laughs> just to commend you, Greg, cause, and just in general for this needs to be said, I know it's been, it's, it's obvious, but it does need to be said. Emmaus road church here 10 years now, on from its found from its starting and its founding, um, to see what it is now and where it's going and the development that the Lord just is pouring out favor on us and we we marvel at at His works. But we would not exist as we do. We would not be where we are without you, uh, without what your faithful work, your faithful hands, your your care, your your prayer, your leadership, your shepherding. In these first ten years of the life of the church, would not function, would not be where we are today without you. So, we wanted—I wanted to take this time to really hear, well, to hear from you, hear in your own words. But on the behalf of Emmaus Road Church uh, and the thousands of lives that have been affected by even just this portion of your ministry, thank you. Uh, and you're welcome. We That's meaningful. We love you guys, and you got—you're off to be the area leader of the Asia Pacific of Sovereign Grace's global ministries, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I, I butchered the title, I'm not sure. What is your exact title now? I, I think you nailed it. <laughs> you got as, right. as well, leader Asia Pacific. As well as you're going to mm-hmm. remain as a pastor to Mayus Road mm-hmm. in our, on our eldership team, a valued um, source of, of wisdom and, and insight. And um, and just to have a to have a late, were you in the late, late 50s when the church was planted? <laughs> to... People need to know how just abnormal that is of, I mean, they always say church planting is a young man's game, but like to have to, for Emmaus to start as it did with all of the years that you had already, the the mileage you already accrued in pastoral ministry just has set us up so well. And um, so, but you're going to remain as a pastor at, at Emmaus and, and continue on, but also add in this, this sizable uh, extra local responsibility that will take a sizable portion of the globe. <laughs> so we, uh, we recognize that and we, we want to honor you in that. And, uh, so, uh, Greg, thanks. Thanks for being on. Thanks for 
we're all excited for you for this next season and excited that you're not leaving, you're not moving away, and that uh, there's much work for you to do yet. So don't go anywhere. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Till next time, guys. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com. Thank you.